0: What's cracking, Big Dogs? Welcome back to HQ. I'm Nicholas. This is Big Dogs Gotta Eat Fantasy Football. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to... Let me see if I can mute your chat. Yeah, I can. Perfect. Cool. Uh, So, you know what? I felt bad last week that I I didn't give y'all any fantasy football information on Monday and Tuesday. I know those are the very pressing days for y'all. And really, the key information on Mondays and Tuesdays is what we're going to do on the Waiver Wire. And if you're not already familiar with how my in-season content works, obviously, we're putting out videos Wednesday through Sunday. A few live streams in there, some trade target videos and whatnot. But the Waiver Wire article is exclusive to Patreon. If you want the entire Waiver Wire article, all of my positions, all of my top pickups, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you can go over to patreon.com slash Where you'll be able to get the waiver wire, a private live stream every Saturday, a community forum where myself, Noah, Snacks and Animal will answer all your questions, as well as my weekly rankings, which will be up every Thursday before Thursday Night Football kicks off. But you know what? I figured I'd hop on every Tuesday from now on and go live for maybe 30 minutes, talk about my probably like top five. I'm not going to give out my entire waiver wire article. Just because it would take too damn long and most of the guys will end up being fucking frauds anyways. But I'm going to give you guys like probably my top five, maybe my top guy at each position for the waiver wire this week. And then maybe talk about any other big things that ended up happening on Sunday. So let's hop into it and uh, I will start off. I'm going to just jump into scary Terry, man. Terry McLaurin is a savage. Terry McLaurin is the number one wide receiver waiver wire pickup this week. And honestly, I would not. Blame you if you wanted to use your number one waiver wire on him. If you wanted to take him over any of the running backs that are currently on your waiver wire, depending, obviously, it's going to be subjective to your league. But Terry McLaurin is legit. Terry McLaurin is here to stay. He's put up back to back big weeks, found the end zone both times. He is dominating his respective team in just about every category um, from a receiving standpoint. So let me hit you with the big facts. I'm going to be reading a lot of my notes. Off here, and I actually tweeted this out yesterday, um, and posted it on my Instagram. So if you're not following me on Twitter, make sure you do that at nick underscore bdge, and our Instagram is Big Dogs Fantasy. So make sure you're following us on there because you'll be getting all these nuggets throughout the week. That is where I do most of my analysis and my research. I post all the good stuff that I that I find on Twitter. So through two weeks. Cleveland versus New York Jets had not played yet when I posted this stat. I think the only one that would probably rise above him from this is Odell Beckham Jr. Terry McLaurin, wide receiver 9 in fantasy football, has played 93% of the snaps, has secured 21% of the target share in Washington, 277 air yards so far, which is 5th in the entire NFL. He has a 50% air yard share of his team, which is the 3rd highest rate in the NFL. He has seen at least 7 targets in both games. Seven targets in both games with an average depth of target of 16.3 yards down the field. That is the seventh highest average depth of target among all NFL wide receivers with at least nine targets. So Terry McLaurin is operating not only as the main downfield threat for the Redskins. You see Case Keenum taking shots down the field to him. He did it multiple times in week one. He should add over 200 yards. If he hadn't overthrown him, the first play of the game from scrimmage for the Redskins in this week two game was a bomb to Terry McLaurin. Keep in mind, Terry McLaurin was draped by Byron Jones, one of the best NFL cornerbacks today, and he shadowed Terry McLaurin. So that tells you what, one, the Cowboys think of Terry McLaurin, but two, the fact that Terry McLaurin was able to escape this game. He went five for 62, saw nine targets, and scored a touchdown. So again, heavily involved. He is a downfield playmaker, but he's also developing into the number one possession receiver on the Redskins. This kid is legit. Don't be fooled. Just because he runs a 4'3, 5'40, which is obviously elite speed, does not mean he's just a downfield threat. He's six foot, almost 210 pounds. So he is a legit, um, you know, he has legit size. It's not like he's someone who's 5'10, 170 pounds. And you're like, yeah, he's fluky. You know, he's going to connect on a couple of those Hail Marys, a couple of those deep balls. Uh, but, no, he has the size to be a number one possession receiver. So, terry Korn is my number one wide receiver pickup for sure. If you have him um, available on the wire, secure the damn bag. All right? Now, when we're looking at running backs, there were a couple guys. Uh, you know what? We'll, we'll jump into running backs after this one. Second wide receiver I want to do on this list is Nicole Hardman. Now, I know Demarcus Robinson came away from this game with a monster game. And those of y'all that started Sammy Watkins, me, Came away very, very, very disappointed. But we secured the dub against Animal in the E town get down as well as the Go Fade Me League because it was funny. We went into uh we went into last night's matchup. It was Meavers Animal coming down to Monday night football. David and Joku needed 7.6 points, half PPR. And I'm thinking like that realistically that's probably a toss up, 50-50, because Njoku goes under that all the time. But you know, it's probably it's really not that hard to score seven and a half fantasy points. We're first quarter into the game. They're not targeting Njoku. He finally targets him. You saw he fucking did his best slinky impression out of the game with a concussion. So, you know, you hate to win like that, and you never root for injuries ever. But I mean, secure the bag, baby. So we took down animal. So the Watkins dud didn't really matter. Don't here here's what I would say. Here's one of my biggest pieces of advice. When you're early on in the season. Right. And we'd say not to overreact, but obviously don't underreact. You want to take everything into context. Here's what I would do if you're thinking about dropping a player, if you're thinking about trading a player, flip the players week one and week two stat lines and then figure out how you feel about that player. Right. Because what happens if if a player has a really big week one you are way more likely to hold on to him for like a month, right? Because you're holding on to that week one performance. However, if a player has a poor week one, you're ready to drop them. You're ready to trade them. But then what happens? A lot of the times the guy who has a big week one has a poor week two. The player who has a poor week one has a big week two, right? And the thoughts – like if you are you have to be objective about that and be like, okay, but how do I feel about the guy who had the big week one? Why do I feel better about him just because it happened in week one and not in week two, you know? So my, my advice when we're two weeks into the season – is flip the player's stat lines and then ask yourself how you feel about that player now and try to be objective about it. Now, Sammy Watkins still very clearly the wide receiver one to own there. He had double the amount of targets of both Hardman and um, DeMarcus Robinson combined. When I look at Michael Hardman, right, they both got six targets. Hardman, I think he officially got seven, but one of them was like a throwaway. Hardman got seven targets. And Demarcus Robinson at six, obviously Robinson connected on like multiple deep balls, scored a lot of touchdowns, had a lot of yards. Basically what Sammy Watkins did in week one, Demarcus Robinson did in week two. But Miko Hardman ended up catching four of his six balls for 61 yards and a touchdown. Also had like a 65, 70 yard touchdown called back on a holding penalty. So as far as I'm concerned, Hardman is the one I want to own, right? You're looking at who these players are and how they actually fit into this offense. Hardman is operating as the slot receiver. He ran 55% of his snaps from the slot, and he is playing on um, you know 85-ish percent of the slot, uh, snaps, as, as well as the Marcus Robinson and Sammy Watkins. So all of them are the full-time players. They are the top three wide receivers, obviously. When you look at Robinson, I feel like that was more of a product of – it was more of a fluky game, right? And the Raiders' defense absolutely – one, the Raiders' defense just being terrible, but two, um, them not focusing in at all on – Demarcus Robinson, right? You you have to focus in on Hardman and Sam Watkins and Travis Kelsey and the running backs and whatnot. So Robinson is running by himself. But when you look at Robinson, right, he runs a four six, 40 yard dash. He is not fast. He has below average burst. If you go on Player Profiler and look at his um, look at his stuff. Posted a 13.1 yards per reception mark in college, which was in the 27th percentile. So he is not really a downfield playmaker. He's not a speedy threat. He does not actually fit what the Chiefs are trying to do. And Nico Harden is a much better player. He's more of the Tyree Kill mold, which tells you that not only is he going to continue getting those deep shots while Tyree Kill is out, but he is going to get more manufactured touches, right? He's going to get more screen plays. He's going to get more plays. Where Andy Reid wants to get the ball in his hands. I don't think that's the case for Demarcus Robinson. I just think Patrick Mahomes saw one-on-one coverage so often down the field for Robinson and was like, fuck it, I'm just gonna throw it up and and see what happens here. So they're both, they both should absolutely be owned, right? As long as Tariq kills out, because this is, you know, Patrick Mahomes has as good a chance of anybody to go for 400 passing yards on a weekly basis. And that will obviously convert to fantasy points for all the wide receivers and weapons here. But if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go with one, it's definitely Nicole over. Demarcus Robinson and obviously Sammy Watkins over one. So if you could buy Sammy Watkins on the low right now off of that game with people like, oh, everyone got too hyped on Sammy Watkins. I mean, Watkins still is like number one in the NFL in air yards, air yard target share, like target market share. He He's like 35% of the targets on the team so far. So make sure you grab Nicole Hardenwin, But if you can grab Sammy Watkins on the low, I would highly suggest doing that. So those are the wide receivers. Let's talk about some running backs. And we got to get into quarterbacks, of course, because there's a lot of breaking news this morning. Again, though, if you want my complete write-up, like I go in depth on every position, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, even my defensive streamers, which absolutely fucking smacked this week. We're like six for six on them. That is only available on patreon.com/slash BDGE. You got to be a subscriber. That's the way you show support to me because obviously we're working hard throughout the season. So I'm not going to dive into all the running backs. I would have said Jalen Samuels was without a doubt the top running back pickup this week. He's only 35% owned, but it seems as if James Connors knee is not as serious as um, maybe originally anticipated. And uh, and because of that, James Conner said he is very confident that he'll be able to shoot up on Sunday, which basically means, I mean, he'll probably get a limited snap load and Jalen Samuels will probably see more work, but that also means that Jalen Samuels is not, um, startable or usable in your lineup. So the two guys that I'm looking at right now on the waiver wire, first off is Raheem Mostert. Now he was on my waiver wire article list last week. And this is what I said. Uh, this is a quote from last week's waiver wire article. Following Tevin Coleman's exit, Breda carried the ball 15 times for 37 yards, while Mostert handled 10 touches for 40 yards. This one B roll, Mostert's role, almost always concludes in 10 to 12 touches a game in a Shanahan offense. And that's what I will expect from OCRT for as long as Coleman is sidelined. He is undersized, 5'11", 186, but he displays elite speed and burst along with upper percentile agility. So don't be surprised when he throws up some highlight plays during his time on the field. And he did more than just throw up a few highlight plays. I mean, they blew the Cincinnati Bengals out. Yeah. But he looked really fucking good. He looked like Matt Breida. It was just two Matt Breidas switching on and off the field, to be honest with you. He ran the ball 13 times for 83 yards, which is 6.4 yards per carry. He caught three or four targets for 68 yards and a touchdown. He also out-touched Matt Breida 16-13, to and he out-snapped Matt Breida 32-21. to I am not looking too much into that play time. Matt Brady is absolutely still the one A there in the offense. This is obviously still time split, but it was the fact that they were up forty-one to ten. Um, that was when Moser got a lot of those extra snaps, where there was no reason to have Brady on the field. However, um, Brady, I mean Moser, also had a thirty-yard touchdown called the back, so we could have had an even bigger day. The, the key takeaway here is this: that the backfield was is just ridiculous, right? Jimmy G has not thrown the ball over 27 times in a game yet. On Sunday, the backfield, including Jeff Wilson Jr., combined for 39 touches, 317 total yards from scrimmage, and found pay dirt three times. Again, could have been four times if they didn't have that penalty called back. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, Mostert is going to be very involved in this offense. They get a deflated 0-2 Steelers team in week three who just lost Big Ben for the season. So I think you could fire up both Matt Breda and Raheem Mostert in your flex spots as long as Kevin Coleman is out. Would I use a number one waiver wire on most Um, Almost probably not. Um, but I would spend somewhere between like eight and 15 bucks. If you are looking for a flex or a, you know, if you're really desperate at your RB two hole, because he is, he is going to get the touches and he is an explosive playmaker who, if they just give him a hole, he'll be ready to roll. Other one that I like. It's obviously Darwin Thompson, 18% owned. We don't really know what's going on with, uh, with, with, Damien Williams and LaShawn McCoy. Now I know LaShawn McCoy had his x-rays come back or his MRI came back for his ankle with no significant damage. So LaShawn McCoy ankle injury, Damien Williams, I believe it was a groin injury. Both of those are obviously injuries that can linger, but if they're not significant, both of them could suit up and they could just cannibalize each other's um, touches. However, if one of them misses time, you know, this backfield is obviously going to be a two man show. It's always kind of been that way um, at least for the beginning of the season and the preseason things like that so if Damien Williams misses time then it's going to be LaShawn McCoy and Darwin Thompson or vice versa and Darwin Thompson could have a good showing and eat into the workload so I'm not going to be as high on Darwin Thompson this week as a as a waiver wire target as probably a lot of other people or you know podcasts or channels or whatever are because he still has a long way to go before he actually eats into the workload unless both of these guys end up missing time so if both of them are out, which I don't expect that to be the case, then obviously Darwin Thompson comes the priority pickup, but I'm not about to drop all my fab on him because I think both guys suffered relatively in, in not very fucking significant injuries, all right? So Darwin Thompson, Raheem Moster, Terry McLaurin, Gary Terry, again, this live stream is going to be up on the channel afterwards, so if you're just joining us now, you'll be able to catch the guys that I was talking about beforehand. Tight ends, there's nothing. There's literally nothing to talk about. I'm fucked at tight end. I lost Hunter Henry. I started Jimmy Graham. He put up a fucking stinker zero for me. Um, I guess the top pickup would be Vernon Davis again. He gives you like a floor of three to five catches with 40 yards or so. Um, as long as Jordan Reed is out and Jordan Reed suffered his seventh official concussion, he should just retire. To be honest, for his own sake. Also, just just throwing this out there, Chris Herndon. For every week that he remains on the waiver wire, he becomes a very uh, more valuable target for y'all. So get him now. If you think you can wait another week, you could wait, I guess. But Chris Herndon needs to be owned sooner rather than later. I know he's not going to be on the field until week six. But when he's back on the field, it is the Herndon show in New York. Let's talk about quarterbacks. For those of y'all that are in Superflex leagues, a lot of stuff happening today or this week in particular. Uh, I will say for you, one quarterback leagues, my favorite streamer this week is Josh Allen. I'm not going to go into depth. Why? Great matchup. Obviously, the running ability, but Josh Allen, number one, one quarterback league, waiver wire pickup. Now, let's talk about super flex leagues because we had Drew Brees out for six weeks, Teddy Bridgewater taking over. We have Big Ben out for the season, Mason Rudolph taking over. We have Daniel Jones announced as the starter. Now, I'm curious. I want you guys to drop a comment down below if you're watching the video afterwards. If you're in a two-quarterback or a super flex league, who do you want rest of season as your quarterback? It could be between Daniel Jones, Gardner Minshew, Mason Rudolph, and Teddy Bridgewater. Now, I'm here to say Teddy Bridgewater is definitely the least appealing for me. He did not look good. He's always been a mediocre statistic guy. Um, Drew Brees will be back in in six weeks. And his schedule from now until then is at Seattle, Dallas, a much-improved Tampa Bay defense, at Jacksonville, at Chicago, Arizona. So one, maybe two winnable games, but then they hit their week 10 by or their week, week nine by. And by that time, that will mean Breeze has rested for seven or eight weeks and that is the timetable. So he'll be back after that tough, tough schedule. Not really on Teddy Bridgewater in super flex leagues. I like the idea of Mason Rudolph though. I like Mason Rudolph, but my number one pickup this week would be Daniel Jones in super flex leagues, Danny dimes, mainly because I mean, one, he looked really good in preseason, obviously, right? Much better than we all expect. Number six overall pick. Snacks was shocked. I was shocked. The world was shocked. But he looked very good in preseason. And he has low-key, very good rushing ability. He's an athlete. And I think he'll give you a floor. And what I think we'll see in this first game is, again, it's a much-improved Tampa defense run <coughs> Ooh, sorry, run by veteran D.C., Todd Bowles. I think they're going to send the house at him. I think they're going to send a lot of pressure at Daniel Jones all afternoon, There are six-and-a-half-point dogs in Tampa Bay on the road, so it's a tough one, but it's good weather. I think what we'll see is a lot of blitzing, and I think that will force Daniel Jones to run the ball a lot. So I wouldn't be surprised if he put up four to five points just off of rushing. Uh, It's going to be a tough. I mean, it's definitely an uphill battle. They're they're without Golden Tate still, four-game suspension, and then there's Sterling Shepard, who – Missed last week with a concussion. Uh, he has not cleared the protocol yet, so hopefully he'll be back for this week because Daniel Jones desperately needs him. But I still think the uh, the offensive line is very much improved from where it was last year with uh, Kevin Ziedler coming in and just the younger players developing into a better cohesive unit. And, um, and obviously we have Saquon Barkley. I'm sure he'll get 72 dump offs this game, but... I kind of like Daniel Jones, but I like him going forward because once like week six hits and they have all their weapons at full strength and they have this offensive line with the continuity getting better and better and his rushing ability, I think Daniel Jones will be a sneaky quarterback too in super flex leagues. So are we dropping the house on him? I'm not going to spend all my fab on him, Um, but I think you could spend a, a, a solid, you know, if you're desperate at quarterback right now, if you just lost one of those guys, you know, 50%, 60%, even 70% of your budget, if you need to do it, I'm cool doing that on Daniel Jones. Um, I would... Put a little bit less on Mason Rudolph. I think that the situation is good, but their weapons have had a lot of trouble gaining separation. I like the idea that, you know, him and James Washington had that connection in college. He was a prolific passer in college, and um, he's someone that's not afraid to throw the ball downfield. He's really big. He's like 6'3, 230s, or 6'5, He's Got that like prototypical quarterback size. He adds almost nothing on the ground, which is why I would probably take Daniel Jones over Mason Rudolph. Um, but I like the fact that you know if you're going to be streaming quarterbacks or like when you're looking for new quarterbacks, you, you want one of two things: you want one guys willing to throw the ball downfield, not just like checkdown guys, and two, one of two, you want one of of check uh, long balls or guys who run the ball. Right, those two are big proponents of, of fantasy points. That's how you get fantasy points at the quarterback position. Guy that doesn't run the ball, a guy that just checks the ball down, is of no fucking use to you. So you want one of the two. Daniel Jones is the runner, and he's looked. Damn precise throughout the preseason. Mason Rudolph is more of the deep passer. Threw for two touchdowns in relief of Big Ben. Um, He had one interception, which was a fucking horrible drop. Dante Monker needs to just stop playing. They need to just get him off the field, which is what we saw. We saw him kind of get benched and we saw James Washington come in and actually had the second most snaps at the wide receiver position um, for the Steelers. So I'm actually excited to see him get on the field and get a little bit of a connection with. Uh, Mason Rudolph there. What other big takeaways do we have from the week? I mean, we could talk about some of these quarterback injuries. I know Cam Newton supposedly re-aggra- re-aggravated his foot, and that's why we kind of faded him towards the end of the summer because Dr. Morse was telling us that this was obviously a, a semi-significant injury that had a very high chance of reaggravating aggravating it. Um, so if Cam Newton can't run, he's obviously useless to us, which is what we've seen over the first two weeks of the season. I think Kyle Allen is his backup. Uh, I mean, he's worth a pickup, I guess, in the super Superflex League if, if it's a deeper league. Why not? I'm not excited about him. Obviously, I would take all the guys I kind of mentioned already over him. Um, So we have um, Kyle Allen. What other big takeaways do we have? Austin Eckler is still absolutely the GOAT. Dalvin Cook is the GOAT as well. Mm, Patriots, fuck. I'm playing snacks this week in the E-Town get-down, even though I just beat his ass in the New York City League. Playing him in the E-Town get-down, and he has the Patriots defense. Going against the fucking Jets and Luke Falk, whatever the fuck his name is. That's like an auto 42 points out of his defense. Any other big takeaways? There probably are so many that I'm just missing right now. Um, Mar Jackson, also the GOAT. Josh Jacobs dealing with the groin injury. It's almost as if uh, he's never handled a big workload in his life. What's the worst thing that could have happened? David Montgomery, good to see him get 18 carries. Finally took over that role from Mike Davis. Uh, let's talk about some of these injuries, I guess. How does it affect people? Drew Brees out. Teddy Bridgewater, six games. Again, this is a very tough pass catch, uh, passing schedule for the next six games, or at least five, because they play Arizona afterwards, who will have Patrick Peterson back by then, though. Um, obviously, it's a, it's a massive downgrade for all of the skill players in New Orleans. It makes Jared Cook probably droppable. Trae Teddy Ginn, droppable. Mike Thomas moves. I mean, Mike Thomas is still going to be very heavily targeted. He'll still get 10 plus targets a game. Um, and it's not really like breeze was taking shots downfield to him. So if there's anyone, I think that doesn't hurt as much, it would probably be Michael Thomas. I actually think this hurts Alvin Kamara a lot. We saw how it affected him in their game on, um, on Sunday. He stopped getting the passing work, right? A, a lot of times um, quarterbacks decide whether or not to, throw to running backs. I mean, fucking obviously, but like, it's not always the offensive scheme. It's a lot of times just like the percentage or their perception of dumping the ball off. Like we see Lamar Jackson with someone who just never dumped the ball off and he's continuously not dumping the ball off. So that's something you can expect. You don't expect the Ravens pat, uh, running backs to catch a lot of passes with Teddy Bridgewater. It looks like he was never checking down. His check downs were to Michael Thomas. So if Kamara's not getting, you know, eight, seven, six receptions a game, that obviously hurts him a lot. This offense is of course, not going to run as smoothly without breeze, which means less scoring opportunities. And Kamara for as much as someone you think he's like a, um, an elusive player and, and a guy that eats off pass catching work. He's scored like 31 touchdowns over the last two years. And that's what's made him so valuable and made him a top five pick in fantasy this year. So without those scoring opportunities, obviously his ceiling gets pulled down a, a ton. I saw, I mean, obviously he's still going to be a guy who um, gets a lot of work. I think Latavius Murray probably gets a little bit of a snap increase. We saw his snaps go from like 25% to 35% in week two. So they might, Try to run the ball a little bit more and lean on the ground game as opposed to Teddy Bridgewater. I, I think they'd be happy coming out of this six-game span with like probably three wins and three losses, even though they, I mean, they probably want to be like five and one, but we'll see what realistically happens there. If Teddy Bridgewater can just be a game manager, um, then they have enough pieces on their offense, I think, to make it happen because they still have a very good offensive line. But everyone in that offense takes a downgrade. Am I looking to buy them low? I don't. It's too general of a question to ask, to be honest. I, I think that's like uh, it, it's more specific to what are the trade offers on the table. I'm not I'm not specific. I'm not really looking to when, when it's in a situation like that, when we're looking at like best case scenario, Drew Brees comes back in six weeks. I tend to side on pessimism and I tend to side with the idea that um you know, it might be seven, it might be eight, it might be nine weeks or like something worse might happen. You know, like I, I just tend to never go to best case scenarios when I talk about buying low or selling high in trade scenarios. So big Ben out, Mason Rudolph is in. Um, I, I still think Juju is going to be fine. Obviously he's not what the Juju you drafted him for. He's not going to lead the NFL in targets anymore. It's because his offense is going to be suspect at best. Um, I think it hurts James Conner because they're not going to be able to be in game scripts where they're going to pound the rock 25 times. Uh, Jalen Samuels probably gets a little bit more involved as a pass catcher in the backfield. I don't want Dante Moncrief. Obviously, he's droppable. You still keep you're still holding on to Juju, of course, because of the draft capital you invested into him. Um, the other wide receiver I want on the team right now is James Washington, just because we saw his snap increase last week with Mason Rudolph. He's seeing a ton of air yards. They just haven't connected, and he hasn't been able to produce with those air yards. But we also obviously have the history and the chemistry between James Washington, Mason Rudolph. The two were running as second string guys throughout the preseason. So they were also practicing together. Not only did they play together in college, but they're practicing together all summer. So I expect there to be built in chemistry there. So um, that's all I got for today. I got like four more fucking videos to film and a lot more research to do. Mondays and Tuesdays are craziness. Uh, I put out a vlog yesterday. I think I'm going to be trying to put out a vlog Maybe not every Monday, but every other Monday at least because I don't put out fantasy content on Mondays. So if you missed yesterday's vlog, that was a good one. I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed making that content a lot for you all. So if you're new to the channel, I, I like to show a lot of behind the scenes, building the brand, building the business, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you enjoyed the video, make sure you hit that thumbs up button. Subscribe to the channel. If you are new, we'll be doing a video like this every Tuesday. I hope you guys enjoyed. Let me know if you did enjoy this type of video. Um, if you want the full waiver wire write-up, as well as my weekly rankings, a private live stream just like this, but only for the Patreons, of course. You can head over to patreon.com slash bbge and sign up for the monthly subscription. And I will see y'all tomorrow on the Trade Targets video with FB God. Peace.